0: All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the Build Show podcast. That's right, my weekly time to get together with you guys and go deep. And we got a great and very deep topic today. We're going to be talking about expanding your business into a new market. Uh, Got a special guest with me, Jake Bruton. Uh, Jake is actually in the process and actually has transitioned to this. So this is really a firsthand, uh, you know, kind of very (laughs) relevant, very rich Uh, recent experience for him. Uh, We're going to get into all kinds of good stuff today. I think this is going to be good, though, even for builders, remodelers, contractors that aren't necessarily thinking about it, because I think there's a few things that will be interesting thinking about. What if I get a lead or a client that's just a little further than my normal service area? We're going to get into that as well. Anyways, let's, let's kick it off on this topic from the Rockwell Studios in Austin, Texas. Let's get going. All right, guys, before we jump into this expanding into new markets, I want to say a big thanks to our friends at The Door Stud. If you're not familiar, this is a tool that I came across about two years ago. It made it on my uh, new tools episode, and I got actually a chance to meet Jim, the inventor. It's a pretty interesting product that kind of looks like a cross between uh, a cradle and uh, a pair of roller skates. And it's basically almost a U-shaped cradle that you would slide underneath a door that you might be installing. It has some wheels that enable you to move it up and down and use a pair of them on, let's say, a standard interior door that you might be installing. And it enables the carpenter to move that door around vertically, slide it into place, do all the work that you need without using your muscles, which ultimately means that for you as a young carpenter you're going to save your back to last longer or for you as an older carpenter uh, you're actually going to be able to install those doors without hurting your back without the usual strains and pulls that happen especially when you're like me and you use typically solid core inch and three-quarter doors sometimes those eight foot tall doors let's say you put a 3080 solid core inch and three-quarter in that is a really heavy door and not a lot of fun and if you're doing remodeling work and let's say you're You're taking an old door and fitting it into a jam. I mean, it's a breeze compared to what you've worked with in the past. So anyways, check them out. It's called the Door Stud. You can look them up in the description below, or you can, of course, Google that. Uh, Very affordable tool for your finished carpenters. Jake, uh, appreciate you joining me today. Thank Uh, you for having me. For sure. Topic today is expanding (laughs) into a new market. And, of course, this is incredibly relevant uh, and recent for you. That's why we picked it. Uh, That's right. That's why we picked it because you've been building for your company's been in the Columbia, Missouri market for like 40 years now. Right. Yep. Uh, And you've recently expanded your business into a whole nother adjacent city, not a sister city, uh, but another town. Really give us give us the background here.
1: Yeah. So uh, like you said, we've been in the Columbia, Missouri market for 40 years. Exactly. This is our 40th anniversary. Uh, i'm the second generation owner we never had designs to work in other places in fact for the longest time we've had a no more than 25 minutes from our office Uh, rule. i was curious about that (laughs) yep for a really long time thanks to the internet thanks to being part of the build show and everything that we put out online we have an ever-expanding request zone Mm -hmm. is what we call it Mm -hmm. Uh, and To be as humble as we can, there are not very many people in our market that do what we do. Sure, sure. And so therefore, if you live 30 minutes from our office or 45 minutes from our office, chances are you're not going to find a builder that's remotely interested in doing the kind of things that we bring to the table. It's just not our market. It's not anything not any knock on any other builder. It's just not what they do.
0: There's not a lot of high-performance builders in your marketplace. Yeah. Although, funny enough, as a little side note, in the time that I've known you, which has been, what, seven, eight years ago I first met you, I would say anecdotally, I can think of several other builders (laughs) who have come up in your marketplace uh, and I've gotten to know, uh, which really speaks to this this, uh, notion that I always hear Travis Brungard talk about, collaboration over competition. Um, But I contribute that, uh, to you putting yourself out there talking about high performance methods up oh, suddenly there's a couple of other builders yeah. in columbia that uh, are also on social media that are also talking about methods we can
1: say alex and peter's name i we love those guys they're great guys
0: <laughs> uh, i want to say there's one other that i've seen at some point or maybe it's just them so that's uh, at at homes, homes. at homes yeah uh in columbia alex and peter just wonderful guys i told my wife the other day that if i like
1: wound up in a wheelchair and we needed a new house and my guys all went away the only people she was allowed to call to build me a house if they if my guys were gone were alex and peter that's so, that's a heck of that's a, a good uh, endorsement on that's their a good farm. endorsement they're fantastic guys too. that's for sure
0: so so then, um, okay, so you're only building typically 25 minutes away. Yeah. Your new market's a lot further than that, isn't it?
1: Roughly two hours, depending on where we are. In fact, one of the houses that we have going right now is two and a half. And we're even looking at one that's three from my house. Wow. Uh, we have a conversation later this week with the clients about taking on a project that's three hours from my house, Interesting. which my understanding is if you're in Texas, is not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a yeah, deal. <laughs> normal drive that's a normal commute uh <laughs> in the missouri area that in in our market that's a big deal yeah uh we don't drive the way they do on the east coast or the way you guys do down here <laughs> you want to stay close to home and we didn't plan this i i like to think that every time that i've been successful it's because i failed in the right direction <laughs> I've never, not a real plan ahead kind of person they or like i haven't them. been yeah uh but i think the the first thing that that we should talk about is like how we decided to do this and then we'll talk about or what brought us to expand into
0: this market and then we'll talk about the steps of expansion
1: yeah Yeah, that sounds good uh again we didn't plan it uh i was uh because we're active online and those clients find us from far away we also get carpenters and builders that find us from far away sometimes uh and i got a message through instagram uh from isaac our, our senior project manager in kansas city now uh four or five years ago yeah, four or five years ago, because we we're in framing at my house. Oh, wow. And he said, hey, I know you live in Columbia. I'm driving through uh, this Saturday. I'm going to pick up some stuff in Illinois, and then I'm coming back through Saturday afternoon. Is there any chance that you'd be around? I want to pick your brain on stuff. Oh, cool. And he said it in a very polite and considered way. And I was just like, you know what? I, I'm going to be framing at my personal house. I don't mind taking a little bit of time to stop and chat with you. An hour and twenty five minutes later, he's still standing there, and we're looking at stuff on his computer. And I was kind of blown away at how considered he was and how thoughtful he was being about everything. And I was like, "Man, this guy that's thirty two years old has knowledge beyond his years for got sure." A lot going for him, and you know, being involved with the BS and Beer Group in Kansas City, and just kind of being friends with a few builders up there. I find out they all know Isaac. They all have tried to hire Isaac. He's very happy where he is. And on a whim one day, I was talking to him, and I said, hey, uh, not on a whim. That makes it sound less considered than what it was. Uh, I said, you know, if you wanted to move to Columbia and be a project manager, we would help you relocate, and we'd love to have you. And he kind of just said, oh, that's very kind. I'm flattered. We live really close to grandparents where we're at now. Like, we're not moving. I was like, okay. And then a few weeks later, a builder friend in Kansas City called and said, You know, I have a couple things going that are pretty decent sized projects for us that both came to Arrow Building first. And you told them you don't work up here. I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, That's awesome. Like, I'm happy that you landed some of those jobs, colleagues over competitors. Uh, and literally, like the next morning, Isaac called. I was on my way to a job site at like eight o'clock in the morning. He said, Hey, I was thinking about the job offer. And I got like all excited. He was like, if you had a Kansas City office, I'd work for you up here. (laughs) And it was kind of just like A plus B equals C sort of thing where I was just like, oh, yeah, that's stupid. Why don't we have a Kansas City office? Like, it's not too far. I could do. And if you had the right people, it would it could work. Yeah. And so we kind of stumbled into I knew that I had somebody that was going to be able to handle it. And because of our very public, you know, social media efforts uh, and because I'd like to think that we build really good houses. We started getting requests for up there, and so we decided that we would explore it. That's
0: really cool. So we really didn't plan it. So I've heard you say in the past, though, that you don't hire unless you know you've got, you know, six months or actually, I think I heard you say actually, years of the work on yep. a prior podcast we were together. How do you square that? I need the years of the work for a new division. And gosh, I'm a little nervous that so we might not have a year's worth of work.
1: Yeah, so we had kind of again the perfect situation, right? As this was starting to happen, and we were really considering it, we had three jobs come through the door that were wow. all three pretty serious. How about that? Uh, two of them are still with us. One of them left not from anything that we caused the families not staying together, so they're not building the house together. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, so we still have two projects that are in the works uh, at this moment. So it was like, oh, we have we have three pre-con jobs uh i would say that 80 percent of our pre-con jobs turn into real jobs so that's all we have to number. do is work through one of these and now we have a year's worth of work for one person that's awesome uh and so there was a little bit of a risk there but again we had the perfect situation isaac was the employee up there was ready to go okay i will i'll wait i'm mm-hmm. here whenever you have something I, i'll quit my job and i'm ready and actually he quit his job and worked part-time for a, another builder And that that other builder was picked up all the slack for us. That's really cool. So because we were ready to go for a permit in May and then it took till February to get the actual permit once change orders stopped. So there was quite a delay there. So that was a really risky thing. Uh, The other thing is we we ran the numbers before he came on and we figured out that, like, if we had to lose money on his labor for a year or even a year and a half. It's something that we could afford to do at this moment because of all the other stuff that we had going. That's awesome. And we're willing to, you know, make that investment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions I had for you that I think you kind of already answered is when you're thinking about expanding a new market, what comes first, the job or the employees to run the job?
1: Uh, I think that your team is by far the most important part of your business. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd be hard-pressed to go, we got a job, let's hire somebody to do it. I think... Working backwards the other way around makes a lot more sense to me. Um, Our success, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, my personal house, how it's the worst built house that we've built because I (laughs) built it. Our success is not on my shoulders. It's on the shoulders of the team that we've built over the past few years. And we absolutely couldn't do this without the crew members that we have. And so, therefore, I put way more stock in the person who's going to be the face of the company. In this instance, we could call this a remote office. I'm not there every day. I'm there
0: one day a week right. uh,
1: or maybe max of two days a week. There's
0: no reason to think that couldn't grow into a full-blown division of Aero building Yeah, right? I mean, you've got seven people in uh, Columbia. Why couldn't you have seven up there as well yeah. or more if it's a bigger market? Frankly. I agree.
1: And so in the employee that we have in that market, he's ran larger crews before. He knows how to handle employees. He knows how to handle subcontractors. Like we really again stumbled into
0: yeah. and then we were worked backwards from there to find the right clients that's interesting the only thing i would i would challenge you that you said and this is this is from my experience is you you kind of made it seem like it's get the team first and then find the work for the team now of course yours kind of went hand in hand yeah. really but i would say that in my business i've been really cautious about bringing people on uh and not cautious at all about getting too much work Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i kind of said to my team over the years hey let's let's get this job and if this proves to be more work than our current team can handle let's worry about it as we get closer and honestly i'm saying this out of out of my background which is typically we'll interview for jobs and then we won't start that job for often a year or more and so you know if my team's fully burdened and busy now and i have one or two in the hopper I probably don't have an 80% close rate, to be honest. My rate's probably more like 50% of PSAs turn into actual jobs for all kinds of reasons. Uh, And so I tend to, um, this sounds bad, but I tend to overschedule a little bit. Uh, And the reason being, very early in my career, my buddy Branson that I mentioned earlier, Branson Fustis, Pilgrim Builders, I remember had a very specific um, kind of policy of, assigning a project manager to a job for pre-construction, and then that same project manager would take it to construction. Sure. And so he had a very large job in pre-construction that they spent a lot of time on, and then they canceled at the last second. And now he has a PM with nothing to do, just to drag on on yep. uh, profitability, let's say, for a year or more till another job can start. And I said to him at the time, you know, I I kind of... Don't sort in the same exact way. I tell people, look, I'm going to put you in my queue. It's hard to know whether your job will start in six months or twelve months, frankly, because a lot of that's out of my control because yeah. I don't do design. See you in the architect. See you in the architect. Oftentimes, I don't have a lot of control over the architect's timeline, and so I'll tell them, look. Very rarely have I ever had a client who had everything in place ready for me to start, and they had to wait on me to have a project manager. About the most I've made someone wait, and this is still true 18 years later, is about two months, uh, and that's still the case to this day, where, you know, we'll, we're will now we now obviously not taking on 100 jobs thinking that, uh, you know, who knows how many will come through, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to turn down work when someone says, hey, can you start this in six months? I need this to start in six months. I'm usually saying to them something like, hey, we'd love to start it in six months, and uh, I likely will have the team members available to do that, but you might have to wait as much as sixty days for me to start. If you can accept that risk, then let's move forward together. If you can accept that risk, then you have to know that I'm, you know, at this point yeah, I'm not we yours. shouldn't sign a PSA. And nine times out of ten, those jobs start a year later <laughs> instead of six months mm-hmm. when they wanted to, because just not everything's in place, whether it's permit or plans or what or engineering or whatever.
1: Well, and so what you're describing is kind of the way the commercial side operates, right? The commercial side is let's land the job and then we'll hire people to do it. Right. If we don't right. have the team in place already, we'll hired guns, those commercial PMs, they move around a heck of a lot more than residential sure. companies sure. do. And I completely understand that. It's there's there's no reason to not do it that way, you know.
0: Yeah, and so as a result then I've kind of grown my team organically where I've gotten the work first. And then if it looks like, oh yeah, this job's definitely going to happen, then I've started looking for a project manager. And we, we talked earlier about hiring, but I can't remember if I said this in that podcast. Go, go check it out if you haven't listened to it. Um, but I would say that uh, probably over the 18 years I've been in business, I can only think of less than a half dozen ads I've placed uh, in some way, shape, or form. Everyone else has come to me either through a recommendation when I didn't even have an, an opening Somebody who came to me like Isaac did through maybe social media or some other method. And we said, man, this person's incredible. We should hire them. Uh, Or calling through my network, which I do a lot. Like I I have a trusted lumber sales guy who knows everybody in town, it seems like, from subs to builders to everything. And more than once I've called this guy and he's like, actually, yeah, I actually know a good guy that uh, is not real happy. uh, And I'll just float it by him, that kind of thing. Uh, I've never used a headhunter, I've never used a recruiter, uh, and only maybe six times have I used Indeed.com. Although I did find Mercedes and Forrest on my team through Indeed randomly. Uh, So it's not like you can't find people that way. I just think that there's better methods.
1: Yeah, it's uh, like any other aspect of our industry. Yeah. It's all relationships.
0: So let me go back to something that you touched on briefly, but I'd love to hear uh, you know, if you're thinking about going into a new market, you mentioned market analysis. Um, what things do builders, remodelers, contractors need to think about in terms of market analysis? Is it simply just that I've gotten one or two inquiries, so there must be work there? Or is there a deeper amount of uh, kind of research that could be done?
1: Yeah, so when we decided to, to pull the trigger, I actually went uh, full-blown real business market analysis for once look at you uh and called a friend that teaches at the business school at the university of missouri he teaches in the trulaski school of business uh and said do you have any research classes that you're teaching this semester where they ha- where your students have to research market analysis things like that He was like yeah since you got a group and he, he said yeah you need somebody and he gave me nine students to wow. then i can say okay here's what we're thinking we're thinking about going into the kansas city metro area And I literally said, "Like, what do I need to know?" And then they turned around and asked their professors
0: (laughs) what they might need to look up.
1: And over about a three month period, while we were starting to like try to figure out what Kansas City market would look like, uh, they came back with, "Here's the age, the average age of the housing stock in all twelve of these markets. Here's the average income or the median income in those markets. Here's the available uh, open land for building on." here's the open land within 45 minutes of this, you know, certain area of of town where like that would be your commuter area. Uh, That was very insightful as to where we would want to focus our efforts. Uh, You know, obviously, we're going to go where the just like in our home market, where the job takes us is where we go. Sure. But if we know that, the median income is really low in this area and there's not much available land, chances are that job site's going to be more tough mm-hmm. to begin with. It's mm-hmm. going to be a smaller site. It's going to have, you know, parking or more things walk off or, you know, all those little things that's like, okay, if we're a small company, because that's what we are in Kansas city, we're a small home builder. Uh, those things will stretch our resources more. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we need to know upfront that we need to charge differently for those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and they were. It was a very insightful process with them. We were able to say, "Okay, here are the three places that we want to focus the majority of our efforts." Obviously, we're okay with going wherever, but like, it's not my home community. I don't know everything about it the same way I do my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was. It was very. We we stumbled into it, but it was the best possible situation. The other thing that the the second part of the market research. Uh, they got us a list of every municipality, uh, every jurisdiction that has uh, code inspections, what your code they're operating on, addresses and emails for the code office. Uh, this is the person that answers the phone when you call. This is the chief inspector. This is the chief inspector's email. Uh, this is what the permitting costs are for this market. We have it in a huge spreadsheet, wow. but it's exactly what we've built out in the nine counties that surround our home county that's taken 20 years to build out they were able to accomplish in a few weeks or a semester um that's awesome working on this project so uh there are plenty of resources like that available to anybody in any market like from business schools to uh extension offices you know the university of missouri has an extension office in almost every community that does different things for the community your state and local colleges and universities have the same sort of thing and they're there for this reason uh i would also say that there are a lot of small business administration offices that do the same type of stuff and are oh, willing to help
0: as well the sba yeah. yeah i had an sba loan early on in my business that i closed out quite a few years ago I, I guess i didn't think about them as a resource that way that's really interesting what about your time specifically jake uh you know is, is there any insight you can give us if we've got a builder listening who's thinking about moving to another city as well in terms of like impacts on your family, Uh, you know, are you spending two or three days a week in Kansas City? Did that impact your Columbia business because you were spending so much time Mm -hmm. uh, in Kansas City? And then what's the go forward look like for you? Like, do you you expect a certain number of days per week or per month or whatever in that marketplace?
1: Yeah, so I would say first and foremost, the only reason this works is because of the team that we have in place in Columbia. Mm -hmm. They don't need me. It's awesome. I'm not the one that builds the houses.
0: Anymore. <laughs> I'm, I am yeah. I would
1: like to think that I'm very helpful. Like I provide guidance every yep. time I'm on a job site, yep. but I'm not on every job site every single day. Yeah. I'm on most job sites, most yeah. weeks. Uh, I did decide to scale back this type of stuff, the travel mm-hmm. uh, where we to make time to go to Kansas city. The other benefit is for the past couple of years, uh, everybody in our Columbia office has been, Uh, or my senior project manager and I in our Columbia office have been four days a week Hmm. and 10 hour days. I just went back to five days a week and 10 hour days. (laughs) Like it's going to be worth it in the long run to have a second office. But uh, I I was able to go, okay, well, if I'm only working four days a week and I'm only going to be in Kansas city one day a week, then it doesn't really matter. I'm not changing what's going on. My
0: ultimate amount of time on the job and, and in the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we have uh, project management software that allows us to communicate very diligently and very clearly from emails to um, time clock to daily logs to photos. I get stuff every single day from all of our job sites. Uh, It's very easy for me to spend 10 minutes in the morning before I even make my coffee sitting at the computer and go, "Okay, well, here's the list of four things that we have to talk about today before people get started. Yep, it really has been. Very organic and very easy.
0: Have you read uh, the eMyth series of books by Michael Michael Gerber? Michael Gerber, y- your talk sounds a lot like you've read it before, but uh, this is a really interesting and very quick read. It's probably only 100 pages. Uh, it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. No, uh, it's 14 bucks on Amazon. So sorry, I was off. So it uh, uh, might be worth it. <laughs> but basically, the book is talking about how as business owners, we've moved from being uh, practitioners who are who have a daily, uh, role in the company to being business owners where we work on the business rather than working in the business, and I think you're a little bit of a hybrid of that because you mentioned in our, uh, our podcast specifically talking about PSAs, you're doing a lot of estimating yourself, you're mm-hmm. doing a lot of the client uh, initial meetings, but you're not on every job every day, uh, and I've done less and less of that over the years as well, but uh, you know as you think about expanding into a new market. I think that's something that builders need to work on is trying to figure out how much do I want to be the on site builder versus how much am I okay with letting those things delegate. And it sounds like your business is a lot like mine, where uh, I'm using the same subcontractor base over and over. Uh, you're even using the same architect over and over a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you work with Steve Basic, such that once your systems are in place and people generally know, okay, we're going to install this European window. We're going to use this flashing product. Uh, It's not like you need to be there and like guide the steps, right? You might check in on uh, the day, you know, the day that you do the first window or do a mock up, but it's not really dependent on Jake Bruton being at the job all day, every day or having your bags on. And I think that's, as we think about this expanding into a new market, that's really something that a builder needs to, um, to think back and go, okay how much of this business do I want to be in direct control of every day uh, versus how much do I want to build a business that, that operates as a system? And, and for me, it took me a while to get to that point where I was comfortable. uh, And frankly, even where my clients were comfortable, because my name is on the door. Yours isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I, my company, my building company is Reisinger build. We actually incorporated, I'm still Home. homes. I did a brand change a few years ago to Reisinger build, but uh, years ago, when I had a business partner, uh, we had we had this conversation a lot like your name's in the door, but you're not at every meeting. You know, can clients interact with me and feel like I have the same authority? And we talked a lot about like, well, Henry Ford is the is the builder. But you expect Henry at every meeting? Yeah. Uh, you know, no, he's got a system in place so that when you deliver your F-150, you don't even you've never even met Henry but you appreciate his systems and his company has a good reputation. I've honestly moved to that a lot. I still do a lot of initial meetings with clients. Uh, I very rarely do client job site meetings anymore, um, but I've got a business partner, Tim Hill, uh, who does all those meetings and he's fabulous. And we have the same subs I've used for the last, uh, some, I've got one or two subs have been with me since my very first job. That's not true. I don't have any subs that have been with me at the very first job. <laughs> I have subs that have been with me 15 years. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you build those that's systems your team. so that you can move to that uh, other market. I got a And question. I, I,
1: I see it both ways. There are plenty of people in our industry that want to be the one actually running the saw every single day. And I don't disrespect that in no, any No, not at all. I realized a few years ago, like, I'm getting older. I'm going to have to be able to put kids through college. I'm going to have to grow my business to raise Mm -hmm. my level of income to be able to take care of my family long-term, to be able to retire at some point. That's right. Uh, And I figured out that, that we could do better work if I wasn't the one doing the work. Like, and uh, I think even if you're not going to expand into a new market, even if you're just looking to grow your business, the ability to honestly say to your clients, call your project manager first. They are the person in charge of the job. They know more about the mm-hmm. job than I do. I am not the one that's. I will have to go. I have to go to the job and see what's going on to be able to answer that mm-hmm. question. But I'm here. Yeah. Like I'm, ultimately, I'm still the one responsible yeah, in I'm the still end. Still backstopping this, you know. Uh, and I think it took me a really long time to be able to say, "Don't call me." Yeah, and I don't mean it like that. Like, "Don't call me." I'm not the I'm most not the informed.
0: One. Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, yeah. I brought in boxes into the office the other day and somebody said, what are those? And I said, I don't know they have Brent's name on them. <laughs> <laughs> they were charged to our credit card. I'm sure. Cause they came to the office that must be one for one of Brent's jobs. Oh, that's awesome. 10 years ago, there would have been no way that any penny got spent without me being no. the one spending it. Yeah, you know? that's right. And I think that we do a better job than we ever had before.
0: For sure. So uh, talk to me about exit strategy. You know, is that something that, you know, you're still in your, how old are you, Jake? I can't I just remember. turned 40. You just turned
1: 40. Gosh. I. You're think substantially it, older
0: than I am. I am 10 years older than I <laughs> I was thinking of <laughs> you as 45. I'm sorry. I don't mean that as an old man. I think that is a wisdom thing. So you're 40. You've got, let's say, 25 years till you hit, uh, you know, Ugh. social security age, <laughs> 65. Do you think already as a 40-year-old uh, about exit strategy and... Uh, whether you've got a kid that would come on to take over the business, whether you've got employees that would buy it, whether you'd sell it.
1: Yeah. So I think you Franchise would agree it. that the majority of uh the, the building companies in our industry, unless you're building a thousand houses a year, this isn't something that somebody's gonna buy. No. So what asset do you have? You might have Sorry. a building, you might have some tools, you might have some debt. Like yeah. it's not really a transferable asset. Mm-hmm. Um i would love for my kids to want to do this but i don't think i'll ever say that in a format that they'll hear interesting i I want them to decide if this is something that they want to do Mm -hmm. uh i want them to find what makes them happy i could absolutely see selling out to people that i work with when the time comes Mm -hmm. uh if that's something that they wanted uh but also like you said this is 40 years in business my dad started the company uh, it's never been outside the family. It's just, he and I, there's something very romantic about, cool. uh, a kid taking it over at some for point, sure. but I also don't want to be the dad that's like, you know, this is your business. You need to be part of this and you need to run it. And I want somebody who really wants to do this for a living. Yeah.
0: There's passion to do for do this. It, yeah. Right? And, and a feeling of this is what I was born for. Yeah. Rather than, oh geez. I
1: Which means this. my exit strategy has to be, I have to self fund my retirement. That's right. Because I have to assume nobody's going to want to buy it and nobody's going to want to take it over yeah. just because that's what happens the majority of the time. That's right. I had a conversation with a, a gentleman that works at the, the Lumberyard that we buy a lot of stuff at in Columbia. He's been at the Lumberyard since 1977, so a little bit before our company was started. And uh, the other day I said, "Let's. I got 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes? Let's stand here and see if we can name any companies that are older than my company that are still continually operating and there was one but they're on their like fourth llc <laughs> dang oh,
0: no. and i was just
1: like okay so then that's us like we're probably the oldest residential business in columbia in the columbia market Whoa. and it's like that there has to be something behind that and the integrity that comes with that Yep. um i think that that level of integrity is why we're able to expand into another market too yeah yeah
0: i've seen uh as part of my builder 20 group i've got Uh, several businesses that are on their Mm second-generation ownership but are not family. Uh, There's a a company in California called Giffen & Crane that uh, has sold out to a younger generation of leadership. In fact, I'm going there next week to Santa Barbara where they operate. And, man, they're like textbook uh, second-generation where the the first-generation owners, these two uh, guys that started the business that were framers and, like, worked their way up, Uh, Their business is about the same, like 40 years old. Uh, They have incredible systems in place such that even though they have this name, Giffen and Crane, neither Giffen nor Crane are really involved anymore. And yet these two young guys, which don't have the same last name, uh, are doing an incredible job and have taken those systems that the founders took to that next level. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, though, that is the abnormal rather than the norm in this yeah. business. Uh, and what is more normal, I think, honestly, is that companies just shut their doors down. Uh, and Or if they do sell, they sell for something like one to two times earnings. So yeah. if your business made $250,000 last year, including your salary, let's say, uh, yeah. and everything, maybe you could sell it for two fifty, And that includes giving them all of your whatever company yeah. trucks you have, whatever assets you have, uh, a little bit of goodwill, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and that's generally what happens to business owners. So uh, I think it is interesting, though, as we think about expanding to a new market in that. And you may be pioneering this. It'd be interesting to see what happens to you in 15 years. But I could see you building two legitimately formidable uh, companies, you know, 10, 12 person custom home builders that are uh, that everybody knows as the top dog in the marketplace that all the cool projects are built by and maybe you uh, have somebody buy you out of Kansas City, Mm -hmm. and then you take uh, Columbia back, even though your aero building uh, is still operating in that marketplace. Um, I think that could be a a pretty interesting reason to start another uh, market, because then you're that much more potentially saleable.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're getting a... Brand new building company, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, even though there were one LLC operating in multiple states. Yeah. We're getting a brand new building company that has 40 years of institutional knowledge, and it has all of our time and systems and everything that you're talking about that makes a company successful. Yeah. On day one, it's there. It's a pretty big deal. And that doesn't happen for very many people. No, I read in the sure. last couple of years that, like, uh, you know, everybody talks about, like, nine out of ten restaurants fail. mm mm-hmm. And the first two or three years, it's like ninety nine percent of construction companies fail in the yeah. first
0: two years. Big time, big time. It's not uh, not an unusual stat. And and a quick plug for one of our uh, friends from Build Show Network Breakthrough Academy. Uh, you know they're systematizing the process of mm-hmm. building, remodeling, contracting. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're struggling, if you are looking for more systems to put in place, if you need a structure of accountability, and a mentor and coach to help guide you through that process, uh, I'd have you reach out to those guys because they have some really good people over there. I just podcasted with Benji last week, uh, and he's just one of, uh, I forget how many people they have now, six or seven incredible people (laughs) that I've met through BTA. And honestly, I wish I would have met them earlier on in my business. I think I would have avoided several very expensive mistakes that I made Uh, that cost me well over a million dollars in error, (laughs) Uh, or probably more than that if I think about lost profit. Uh, So uh, it's interesting talking to you, though, as that uh, 40-year-old company, even though you are 40, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because there is something to that institutional knowledge. Uh, And having a new person in uh, a whole new market, but he's got the backstop of you and your accounting department and your other project managers and frankly, your whole sub team in Columbia that he can use back as a resource puts in him on an incredible footing. Yeah. Uh, I am curious, though, before we uh, before we close this out, spend a few minutes talking to us about uh, subs in a new market, because I think this could be helpful for even the builder that's like, look, I don't want to expand a new market, but I got an incredible job that's an hour and a half or two hours away that I'm thinking about. Um, but one of my concerns is, I don't know how many of my subs will go there. Is there anything you can give us insight on You know, developing that trade base in KC and or any of your trades in Columbia making that commute for you?
1: Yeah, so number one, the fact that our team member in Kansas City is from that market. He had a handful of people that he was willing to work with. Uh, because of the BS and beer group, there are quite a few builders that I know in that market that there's a group text that has eight guys on it or seven or eight guys on it that there's a constant, who do you guys use for this? What's wrong with this? Who who's complaining about who that's really helpful. Uh, I did allow uh, our Kansas city staff uh, uh, quite some time to research uh, outside of who was on that list that other people would recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of that was like, he just has an iPhone note of here's 50 electricians whose trucks I've seen and call did they answer the phone? Did they answer the phone professionally? Did they return your phone call? Mm-hmm. Did they return your phone call professionally? All those little things. I know that people in our in our industry would be like, your phone etiquette doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're a good builder. <laughs> it does. If you're paying attention and you're doing things the right way, part of that extends into how you run your business and yeah. whether or not you call people back within six days. Well, that's for sure. Uh, six days. <laughs> <laughs> Is so that what it's gone to? We've... We've been very lucky that we've had ample time to try to vet as many uh, members of our team as possible. Uh, I will tell you that just like we talk about uh, employees, if you think it's time to fire the employee, it's probably time to fire the employee. The same thing goes for subcontractors. If they aren't buying in, if they're not being responsive, if they're already causing you headaches, there's a chance to cut them loose. Uh, we've already cut somebody loose that was part of our team that, you know, we have a very short relationship with that subcontractor and they're gone already. Wow. Uh, the other thing is just like in our home market, ample planning, the ability to sit and look and talk about things, the people that ask the right questions, you can tell real quick who's going to be a valuable team yeah. member. Yeah. Uh, we also did a survey of everybody in our home market because it's only two hours away are you willing to go that far that's interesting cabinet shop said not a problem our concrete guy said I will but I don't want to go for flat work I'll just do walls I don't mm. want to deal with he makes more money on walls so he's nah. like if we're gonna drive up there I go with my while we have a framer that travels nationally for another aspect of their business mm. and they have six employees and he was like if you want us up there we'll go up there uh, I think we found a, a framer that's going to be a real asset but us taking the time to visit job sites to look at work that they have going on. It's the same process as hiring subcontractors in your home market. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you got to put in the legwork. You got to know, and you're not going to get it right the first time across the board. Yeah. You're not. You have to be able to be willing to make a change. if necessary. You have to be, you have to be willing to let them shine or let them fail and then resolve whatever the issues are.
0: Yeah. Uh, Interesting timing too, with the market being less frothy than -hmm. it was a year or two ago. Uh, I think actually this would be, as this podcast is uh, publishing, this would be a good time to think about expanding to a new market because there is still plenty of business out there. There is. Uh, But, you know, for instance, the production builders in Austin have slowed down considerably. Uh, And so if you're a subcontractor that does both custom and production, You know, your production guys are less busy, even though maybe your custom guys are plenty busy. So this would be a time that they would be taking your call and hopefully call you back within six days.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's a good time to look for employees as well. Yeah. Anybody who's was happy a year ago because they had full time work and was making a good living who now works for a company that they're real concerned as to whether or not they're going to go belly up this year. Yeah, now's a great time to be recruiting.
0: Yeah, that's right. For sure. For sure. Jake, let's call it quits. We're, uh, we're bumping up on that, uh, that hour time frame on, uh, on the podcast. Uh, guys, really appreciate Jake spending the time to uh, fly out to Austin to be in the Rockwell Studios today. Do this one-on-one. If you're in the Columbia or KC market and listen to this podcast and happen to be looking to build a good custom home, Uh, Look up Arrow Builders, A-A-R-O-W, Builders. Building. Building. (laughs) Dang it, I said it wrong again. Arrow Building, sorry. But of course, if you're a builder watching this, uh, follow Jake on Instagram, jake.bruton on Instagram. Uh, He's got the Unbuild It podcast that he does with Steve Basic and Peter Yost. You can check him out on that. Uh, And as always, he's shooting videos on buildshownetwork.com on a weekly basis. And check out his series as well. Uh, the Build Show Build, which was our very first series content, which we're now we're doing those a little more regularly. And that's been super fun. But Jake was the pioneer on that. Uh, just built a fantastic house uh, called Hilltop Arrow uh, for a really, really neat client. Uh, I visited that job several times and there's some really cool uh, but affordable details on that house. Uh, nothing on that house is is crazy or different. Uh, it's just really well designed and thoughtfully executed by jake's team so big thanks to jake for coming and talking about this uh interesting topic that i think a lot of people are going to find valuable even if they're not necessarily thinking about moving to another market i agree thank you buddy absolutely all right guys with that being said follow us on tiktok or instagram otherwise we'll see you next time on the build show podcast